Hello, friends. Welcome to Resting Church Face, a podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Allen, and this is episode 13. And this week, we are going to continue the series, The Movies That Shaped Me, with one of my very favorite movies, Field of Dreams. So sit back, relax, get some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. That rhymed. I didn't realize it till I said it out loud. And let's talk about one of the best movies ever made about baseball. previously established that I am not an athletic person and I don't follow sports that closely. In fact, when I was in my 20s, I actually had a job as a high school marching band director. And when I got the job, they never actually asked me if I understood sports because if they had, I probably wouldn't have gotten the job. <laughs> in fact, when I would be sitting on the sidelines on the bleachers during the football games, there was a kid that had to sit next to me to tell me what was happening during the game because I'd never fully understood. I I have a very vivid memory of this kid nudging me once and being like, we just made a touchdown and I had to like scramble to get them to play uh, the school fight song. So yes, not my best job. (laughs) I was not that great at it. So it should come as no surprise that sports movies also are not usually my thing. Um, If it's just about the sport, I'm kind of like, but I can get behind a movie that is about an underdog winning or a team coming together to triumph. So like, you know, remember the Titans and Rudy and the Rocky movies and the Creed movies. I really enjoy those movies. Do I fully understand what's happening uh, concerning the sport that it's about? No, I do not. But I love the story of human struggle and perseverance and triumph. And Field of Dreams is definitely a sports movie. It is absolutely about baseball, but it also treats baseball as almost a character in the movie. And I mean that in the sense that you can watch this movie and thoroughly enjoy it without having any prior knowledge of the rules of baseball. You don't have to know the ins and outs of the sport to really be into the story and feel like you've been transported and you can enjoy it as much as someone who knows everything about baseball. So Field of Dreams was released on May 5th, 1989. It stars Kevin Costner as Ray Kinsella, Amy Madigan as Annie Kinsella, Gabby Hoffman as Karen Kinsella, Karen spelled with an I, K-A-R-I-N, Ray Liotta as Shoeless Joe Jackson, James Earl Jones as Terrence Mann, and then Burt Lancaster as Archibald Moonlight Graham. Really great cast. In fact, I would say perfectly cast film. And I was eight years old when this movie was released. We went to see it, I remember, in the theaters. And then we bought it on VHS, and we watched this movie so many times. My dad especially loved this movie. And I didn't fully understand why he loved the movie so much until I was an adult. But I do remember that this was the first movie that I saw my dad cry watching. And not to be a Debbie Downer, but my dad is right now 75 years old and he is in the late stages of dementia. So watching this movie was a little more emotional and nostalgic than I had realized it was going to be. And I was really struck with the parallels between the main character of the story and my dad. And it makes a lot more sense to me now that I'm watching it grown up that my dad would cry at the end. So The story is about a man, played by Kevin Costner, who at the very beginning of the movie tells you that he had a really difficult relationship with his dad. His dad had wanted to be a baseball player and didn't make it. 
and then really wanted Kevin Costner to be a baseball player. And so he spent a lot of time with him playing catch with him, wanting him to kind of fulfill his dream and be, you know, live vicariously through him. My dad, when he was in high school, was scouted by the Detroit Tigers. And my grandfather, who I never met, he died before I was born, was really thrilled about this. My dad has told me so many stories of how when my grandfather would come home from work, he would spend hours in the backyard playing catch with my dad and just practicing with him because he really thought my dad had it in him to become a really great baseball player. So dad was scouted, like I said, by the Detroit Tigers. And then they told him if he would graduate high school that, you know, chances are he probably would make the team. And then some unfortunate circumstances and things happened and my dad was not able to do that. And I don't think my dad regretted it, that decision so much as he did kind of had that what if kind of a feeling. And I don't think, you know, as far as I know, my, my dad and grandfather didn't fall out about this baseball thing. Um, it didn't, you know, ruin their relationship, but I can see how, especially the ending of this movie, which I'll get to, <laughs> would have affected my dad greatly and made him very emotional. So it kind of feels different now watching it as, as, as an adult, because I see it through his eyes. And it made me enjoy it even more. And I felt like it made the ending that much more hopeful and happy for me. So let's talk about Field of Dreams. And as a warning, as always, there will be spoilers. So if you have not seen Field of Dreams, you can rent it on Amazon Prime. If you have stars attached to your Amazon Prime like I do, you can watch it for free. You can order it on Amazon. Um, it is out there. So if you want to pause this podcast and go watch it and then come back, that is fine. But please come back because we are going to talk about everything to do with Field of Dreams. So the movie begins with Kevin Costner doing a voiceover as the character Ray Kinsella and telling about how when he was a kid, his father was into baseball, wanted him to be into baseball. They didn't get along. He left home when he was 17 and then his father died before they had a chance to really reconnect. He got married and had a little girl, moved to Iowa and became a corn farmer. He became a farmer. He has a huge cornfield. And then it cuts to Kevin Costner in the cornfield, and he's walking through the rows of corn, and he hears a voice whisper, if you build it, he will come. And of course, he's like, what? And it says it again, if you build it, he will come. And except it's more like, if you build it, he will come. <laughs> so he goes back to his house, and this is another thing that I really like about this movie. He tells his wife, um, his wife is named Annie. She's played, again, by Amy Madigan. And he tells her that he heard a voice. And she's like, you're hearing voices? But she is not freaked out. She does not think he is crazy. She genuinely listens to him and believes him. And he says, yes, I keep hearing this voice. And then he tells her that he feels like this voice wants him to build a baseball field in his corn. Because he has a vision of a baseball field and he sees Shoeless Joe Jackson looking at him, played by Ray Liotta. And he tells his wife, I think I'm supposed to build a baseball field so Shoeless Joe Jackson can come play. And surprisingly, his wife is like, okay, let's do it. So Shoeless Joe Jackson was an actual baseball player in the 1920s, played for the Chicago White Sox. And he, along with seven other players, were banned for life from baseball after they were accused and found guilty of accepting money to throw games. However, it was never actually proven that Shoeless Joe himself did anything to throw the game, but he was banned because he accepted the money. Shoeless Joe Jackson is played by Ray Liotta, and, you know, I know that Ray Liotta is kind of known for being a scary 
actor or he was he passed away not too long ago but most of his roles were very like goodfellas you know mobsters assassins like he played a lot of really rough guys but this was the first time I ever saw him in a movie when I was a kid and so in my mind he will always always be Shoeless Joe Jackson so Ray decides he is going to build the baseball field, and he does. He plows through his corn, takes it out, and in its place puts this huge baseball field. He puts up stadium lighting, bleachers, a dugout, and of course everybody in town just thinks he's crazy. They're like, you are ruining your farm, and you're going to lose it, along with his brother-in-law, Mark. Mark is played by Timothy Busfield, and let me just say this. This character is one of the most annoying characters in movies that I've seen in a long time. He's like way too into his sister's life. Like he cares way too much about what her family is doing with their farm. And also double crosses her by, you know, buying the note on the farm and trying to turn them out of it. It's really, really devious and sinister. And at the end of the movie, we're supposed to be like, oh, it's just Mark. No, listen, I don't forgive and I don't forget. Mark is a jerk. He will always be remembered as such. And Mark is just super concerned about the farm. And so he tells Ray that he just really thinks they're going to lose it. He doesn't understand why he's made this, built this ball field. Makes no sense to him. And Ray is beginning to get a little concerned because it's been months now and nothing has happened. And then one night, his daughter Karen comes to him while he and his wife are going over their finances. And let's pause here because Karen is played by Gabby Hoffman, who for me will always, always be Jessica in Sleepless in Seattle, New York. He's on his way to New York, but she's a baby here. Uh, she comes to him and says, there is a man in our ball field. Or she says, there's a man on our lawn, which I think in any other movie would be like a horror scene, <laughs> like a different kind of movie. But in this case, it works because Kevin Costner goes outside and it is Ray Liotta as Shoeless Joe Jackson standing in his White Sox uniform. And I will say the music does such a great job of giving you goosebumps in a non-scary way. It just a, this is a moment kind of a way because Kevin Costner realizes that this is someone who is obviously a ghost, but he's not scary. And so he plays ball with him for a little bit. He hits a few balls to him. Um, they play catch for a while. And then Shoeless Joe Jackson talks about how for him, baseball was never about the money. He said he would have played for free, but when they banned him from baseball, it was like he had had a limb cut off and that he's just so happy to be able to play again. And so he asks Ray if he could bring the other guys. He said there were seven of us, you know, there were eight of us all together, seven more guys. Could they come and play? And Ray's like, absolutely. Anytime. And then we also get that iconic line where Sheila's Joe asks Ray, is this heaven? And Ray says, no, it's Iowa. And so everything is going really well. They're really enjoying watching the baseball players play. However, they still don't have enough money and they are worried about money. And they also find out that not everybody can see the baseball players. So Annie, Ray's wife, her family comes over, Mark and his wife and uh, their mother. And he's, of course, on and on about how you've got to, you've got to sell this farm. You've got to sell it. You're not going to be able to do it. Um, and they realize that they can't see the people on the baseball field, all the players playing. And so that's interesting for them. And then Ray hears another voice. And this time the voice says, ease his pain. And he's kind of ticked off because he's like, I don't know what that means either. <laughs> and then he has a dream about a writer that he really loved during the 60s, which I think is supposed to be kind of, of a fictional take on J.D. Salinger. But the writer is Terrence Mann. 
Terrence Mann wrote a lot of books about peace and, um, you know, resistance to authority, but in a peaceful way, peaceful protesting. And everybody really loved his books in the 60s. And then he just stopped writing kind of inexplicably, just, just kind of disappeared. And he and his wife, in one of the best scenes of the movie, go to a PTA meeting because they're talking about banning books, which, I mean, that is happening right now. They actually just banned A Wrinkle in Time, which, come on, you know, but it's still happening. And this scene is really where Amy Madigan, as an actress, just really shines. She plays Annie Kinsella as an 80s mom who is really, at heart, still a 60s hippie. And she gets into it with a PTA mom because this PTA mom really wants to ban Terrence Mann's books. She thinks they're inappropriate for children. Annie disagrees. And they start lobbying insults back at each other, back and forth. And at one point, the PTA mom starts to make fun of Ray for plowing under his corn and building a baseball field. And she calls him a weirdo. And Annie replies with, at least he is not a burner of books, you Nazi cow. That is such a fantastic moment. But then after the PTA meeting, Ray tells Annie that he really feels that ease his pain is meant for Terrence Mann. And then after the PTA meeting, Ray is able to convince Annie that he needs to go and find Terrence Mann because he thinks that the message ease his pain is for Terrence Mann. Because Terrence Mann gave an interview about how he when he was a kid, went to a baseball field that was then torn down and he wishes that he could have experienced playing baseball and he would love to go back to that field. And Terrence Mann has also kind of been a recluse ever since a lot of people started using his books as an excuse to do terrible things. They would say that they got inspired by his, you know, protest and his message of, you know, bucking the system and they would go and do terrible things. And I think this is also kind of... um supposed to be reminiscent of J.D. Salinger, you know, how when the guy that shot John Lennon and Reagan all had copies of Catcher in the Rye, supposed to be kind of the same kind of a character. So he thinks that he needs to go and find him and that the ease his pain is meant for him. So she tells him to go on ahead and, and do that. So he goes, he finds Terrence Mann, who is played by James Earl Jones. And I remember when I saw this as a kid, I was so startled because, of course, James Earl Jones is the voice of Darth Vader. So, like, I'm hearing Darth Vader's voice come out of someone I had never seen before. And I remember my parents having to, you know, explain to me that he was the voice of Darth Vader. But he is so great in this character. He's kind of angry but also lovable. You just really like him. So Ray convinces Terrence Mann to go with him to a baseball game. He doesn't want to go, but he decides he'll go just to see. And so he goes with them to this baseball game, and while they're at the game, they both hear a voice that says, go the distance. And then they see flash on a screen at the baseball game the name Archibald, Archibald Moonlight Graham, Chisholm, Minnesota. And so they decide to go together to Minnesota to find this guy named Archibald Moonlight Graham. And when they arrive in Minnesota, they find out that Archibald Moonlight Graham had played one season of minor league baseball and then become a doctor in this town in Minnesota. And everybody loved him, but unfortunately he had passed away in 1972. So they're really bummed and they're not really sure why they're there. And they decide to spend the night at a hotel. Kevin Costner takes a walk outside. And this is when the movie really kind of takes a turn and goes from being just kind of a, a magical, heartwarming tale to now it has like a definite kind of science fiction bent because he is time traveling. He walks out the door and realizes that he is back in 1972. Inexplicably. <laughs> and he sees a guy walking down the street in the mist. It's very dramatic. 
Um, and it is Archibald Moonlight Graham, and he is played by Burt Lancaster. Burt Lancaster is fantastic in this role. My parents loved Burt Lancaster when we were growing, when I was growing up. We watched so many movies, old black and white movies with Burt Lancaster. And you know, he used to be in a circus. I did not know this. He was an acrobat. So really impressive. <laughs> but he just plays this character with such grace and elegance, and you just you automatically like him. And he takes Ray back to his office and Ray asks him if there is anything that he, if he had one wish, what would he do? And Archibald Graham asks him, are you that guy, the kind of guy that could make that wish happen? And Ray says, I think I might. And so he tells him that he always had wished that he could have played one major league game where he made one play and he rounded the bases that would be his wish. And Ray says, I really think if you come with me, I can make that dream happen. But Archibald Graham says he can't leave his wife and that this was his his real wish, that he really felt like this was his purpose, was to be a doctor. And Ray is really upset that he can't convince him to come, but he you know respects his wishes and le- lets him leave. He goes back and he tells Terrence Mann what happened. And they're both kind of confused as to why they were here, but Terrence Mann tells him that he wants to go back with Ray to Iowa because he wants to see the cornfield. And then on their way back to Iowa, they pick up a hitchhiker, and it's this young teenage guy. And when they ask him his name, he says his name is Archibald Graham. So yes, they have picked up the ghost of Archibald Graham, <laughs> of Moonlight Graham, and they both know it. But the kid doesn't seem to be aware that anything is, is weird. So they're driving back to Iowa, And Terrence Mann is asking Ray about what happened between him and his dad. And Ray tells him the story of how he got really upset at his dad when he was 17. And he told him that he could never respect a man whose hero was a criminal, talking about Shoeless Joe Jackson. And then he said that he immediately regretted it and wanted to come home but didn't know how to do it. And then his dad died. And he said, I never played catch again with my dad, ever. And it's, you know, something that he really regrets. And so Terrence Mann tells Ray that this is his penance, that he feels like this is why he is doing all of this, because he's trying to make up for what he did to his dad. And Ray agrees with him. So they get back to Iowa. Ray introduces Terrence Mann to his wife and child, and Archie Archibald Graham goes out into the field, and he gets to play that one play. They make it come true. He does. He rounds the bases. He does everything he said in his wish. And I think one of the best parts of the movie is this whole time you kind of feel like he knows that you don't know that Archibald Graham knows that he has died or that he's a ghost, but after he does, he rounds the bases and everybody's congratulated him. He sits down on the bench and he makes eye contact with Ray and he smiles at him and nods. And you realize that he has known this whole time. Like he remembers Ray from the seventies when he came and told him all that stuff. And he knows that this is his second chance to come and do it. So it's a really, it's just a good moment. And then Mark shows up again And you find out that Mark has bought the note on the house and they're going to foreclose. He's essentially going to force his own sister out of their home unless Ray sells the farm. So they get into a huge fight. You know, he can't see the baseball players. And he's telling him that, you know, they're going to lose the farm. And then Karen pipes up, Ray's daughter, Gabby Hoffman, and she says, you don't have to sell the farm. And she tells her dad that people will come to see the ball field. They will come. They won't even know why. They're going to go on vacation, and they're going to show up at the ball field. And everybody's like, what? And then Terrence Mann stands up, and he does this huge speech about how people will come. And I actually want to read this speech to you because I think it really just sums up 
what is wonderful about this movie. It is the heart of the film. It's the magic. So here it is. Ray, people will come, Ray. They'll come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll turn up your driveway, not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at your door as innocent as children, longing for the past. Of course, we won't mind if you look around, you'll say. It's only $20 per person. They'll pass over the money without even thinking about it, for it is money they have and peace they lack. And they'll walk out to the bleachers, sit in shirt sleeves on a perfect afternoon. They'll find they have reserved seats somewhere along one of the baselines where they sat when they were children and cheered their heroes. And they'll watch the game, and it'll be as if they dipped themselves in magic waters. The memories will be so thick they'll have to brush them away from their faces. People will come, Ray. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It has been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, it's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good and it could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. So after Terrence delivers this really wonderful speech, Ray tells Mark that he's not going to sell. And then they begin to argue. And during this argument, Karen somehow falls off the back of the bleachers and she hits the ground really hard and she's not breathing and everybody begins to panic. And so Annie runs, she's going to call the doctor, but Ray says, wait, because he sees Archibald Graham coming towards them. And of course, Archibald Graham is a doctor. And when he gets to the edge of the baseball field, you can tell he doesn't know what to do. He's, he's not sure if he should cross, but he decides to do it. And when he crosses from the baseball field onto the, onto the lawn, he suddenly is an old man again. And he's in his doctor's uniform and he has his bag. And he comes over to Karen and he says that she's choking on a piece of hot dog. And he thumps her on the back. The hot dog comes out. She's fine. And then Ray realizes that Archibald Graham cannot go back once he has come off the baseball field. And he says, I'm so sorry. You can't go back. I'm so sorry. And he says, it's okay. It's okay. I got to do what I wanted to do. I got to do that play and you made that possible. And he thanks him. And, you know, he says goodbye to everybody. And this is the first time in the movie that I always choke up because just before Archibald Graham goes into the cornfield to disappear back to heaven, Shoeless Joe calls out, hey, rookie. And Archibald turns around and he says, you were good. And I am like, because <laughs> it's so sweet. And he goes into the cornfield. And then after that, you know, Mark is, of course, like, don't sell this farm because suddenly he can see all the baseball players. And they're like, oh, that's so funny, Mark. And again, I say, no, Mark, you're a jerk. You can't ever come back is what I would say. People will come, but you can't stay. But, you know, I didn't write the story. <laughs> and so everybody goes back to the house. And then Shoeless Joe looks at Terrence and Ray and he says, hey, do you want to come with us? And Ray thinks he's talking to him. And he's like, yeah, you know, I want to go into the cornfield. And he says, no, not you. He stopped talking to Terrence and Ray gets really upset because he's like, what do you mean I can't go with you? I'm the one that built this corn, this ball field. I'm the one that I'm responsible for all this. You know, I'm not saying what's in it for me, but what's in it for me? And Shoeless Joe says, is this why you did all this? What's in it for you? He's like, I really think you need to stay. And Terrence says, you know, you've got a family. This is for me to go. I could write about this. And you realize that they want him to write a story about what's in the cornfield. So... Ray finally accepts that it's okay that Terrence goes and not him. And so Terrence walks into the cornfield, you know, and it's very mysterious. And then Shoeless Joe keeps smiling at Ray and he's like, why are you smiling? And Ray and Shoeless Joe looks over to the side and the catcher who we have not noticed this whole time takes off his catcher's mask or helmet. I'm not sure what it's called. 
and it is Ray Kinsella's father. And everybody that has ever seen this movie at this moment gets very choked up. And this is always when my dad would begin to get choked up. You realize that this whole time he's built this ball field because his dad could come back. So if you build it, he will come, ease his pain, and go the distance. We're all for his dad, not for Shoeless Joe. And so Ray looks at Shoeless Joe and he was like, it was you. And Shoeless Joe says, no, it was you. And you realize that the voice in his head this whole time has been Ray. Ray has been saying it to himself. And so as Ray's dad makes his way towards his family, Ray tells his wife that this version of his dad is younger than he ever knew his dad. That by the time Ray came along, you know, his dad was in his 30s. This version of his father is in his 20s. He's so young. And so you're not sure that he even realizes that Ray is his son at first because he introduces himself as John and he thanks them for building this ball field. And, you know, Ray introduces his family, but he's still calling him John. And then they start talking after Annie and Karen go off and he asks Ray, is this heaven? And then Ray, of course, says, no, it's Iowa. And then he asks his dad, is there a heaven? And his dad says, oh, yeah, it's a place where dreams come true. And Ray looks back at the front porch with his wife and his daughter sitting on the swing. And he says, well, maybe it is heaven. And you're so worried because you feel like, is the movie going to end without him acknowledging that this is his dad, like telling his dad that he knows it's him? So his dad starts walking away towards the cornfield. And right before he gets there, Kevin Costner yells out, dad. And his dad turns around and he says, do you want to play a game of catch? And the dad says, I'd really like that. And everybody begins to bawl because <laughs> you can't help it. The waterworks begin. It is so perfect. So as the camera pans out, it's Kevin Costner playing ball. Ray is playing ball with his dad. And you see a line of cars coming to their house to watch the games. And you know that everything's going to be okay. The music is perfect. It swells up. And it just leaves you with that feeling that you just wish it was a true story. That's how, that's how good it is. You want this to be real. You want this to be an actual place in Iowa. So now let's talk about the things that I think are just fantastic in this movie. So I touched on this a little bit earlier, but I think that the relationship between Ray and Annie in this movie as husband and wife is so good because, you know, anybody that tells their wife that they're hearing voices, I think the, the normal reaction would be like, oh, no, but she doesn't do that. She trusts him and she knows that he's not a crazy person. And so when he tells her and explains what's happening and that he's not crazy, that he's hearing this voice, but he knows that he's supposed to build this ball field, she says, okay, and she supports him. And even though there are moments in this movie where she is genuinely worried, she never hides that worry from him. She talks to him about it. They have open discussions about everything that happens. She's part of the story. She's part of this plan. And I think a lot of movies nowadays, there's always this tension because one of the characters doesn't disclose everything because they're afraid of being viewed as weird or crazy. And then it creates unnecessary drama in a film. This is one of those films where you don't feel that way because they're together, they're a team, and they come at this as a united front. And I really, really like that. And I like their characters because of that. And then the second thing that I really like is a moment between Shoeless Joe and Ray. 
And I really don't like it when people over-spiritualize things. I'd like to preface this by saying that because not everything has a spiritual meaning. And I don't think that everything that we encounter that we need to make it into a moral lesson, right? But there is something in this movie that I think it speaks to me spiritually because it's something I struggle with. And it's the scene where Shoeless Joe asks Terrence to come back into the cornfield and Ray gets furious because he's like, it should be me. Like, I did all the work. I did all the stuff. Why are you not asking me? And it really reminds me of the parable of the prodigal son with the older brother being like, why are you letting him do all this stuff when I have never done anything wrong? I've helped you this whole time. And, you know, Shoeless Joe tells him, did you do it just just to get the attention, just to get the glory? Is that why you did this? And it kind of shames Ray in that moment. And then he says, I really think you need to stay. And, you know, you realize at the end that he needs to stay because his dad is the end result. Like the whole thing that he's been working for this whole time is he's going to get to see his dad again. And if he goes to the cornfield, he's going to miss this moment. And I just think to myself, how many times have I done that when I feel like God has something in store for me that's better than what I want? And so sometimes like you see people getting the things that you think you want and you get upset. And God's like, if you'll just wait, like what I have planned for you is different. Yes, but it's for you and it's what you need and it's going to be better for you. So I thought that moment was a really just keen observation, not just spiritually, but on human behavior that we are just sort of wired to to be jealous or to want things that maybe we don't need. And if we'll just wait a little bit and stay and keep doing what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to be doing, the thing that's meant for us will happen. So I really like, I love that moment. And then lastly, and I think this is just because my dad is close to being on the other side of the cornfield for want of a better word. It just reminds me that the next time I see my dad after that happens, after my dad has passed away, that he's going to be restored. I think that scene where Ray sees his father as somebody in his 20s where his whole life is ahead of him and he's restored to perfect health and he's getting to do the things that he always wanted to do and he is the man that he wanted to be. It it encourages me so much because I know that there's going to come a point where that's the next time I see my dad, that's who he's going to be. He's going to be restored to health and he's going to be in his right mind again and all of the struggles and all of the things in this life that he has dealt with will have passed away and we'll get to start over and everything is going to be restored. And I love that thought um, that God makes all things new. And it just reminds me of that. And I know that field of dreams is not a spiritual movie. I don't think there is a cornfield in Iowa where heaven is on the other side and that men get to come out and play baseball. I mean, it would be great if there was. But I don't think that. But I do think that it just reminds us all that this is not the end. That just because we lose loved ones in this life, it doesn't mean that we will never see them again if they know Christ. So, yeah, I just, it, this movie hit me hard on that level, I think, more than I expected it to. And it's made me appreciate the movie even that much more. So I know that I'm pretty late to this trend, but there are videos that you can look up on YouTube that are called reaction videos. And for the most part, I think a lot of them are dumb. 
A lot of them is just like reactions to like America's Funniest Home Videos and you're just watching someone laugh and I think that's really stupid. And I've watched some that were interesting to like music. Sometimes when I hear a song, I want to see if other people feel the same way that I feel. But I didn't realize that you can type in a movie and type in reaction and you will get video upon video of people who have never seen a movie experiencing like the most touching moment of a film or the saddest moment or the happiest moment and you get to see their reaction. I don't know why it's so satisfying to see someone experience something the same way that you did, but it is. So if you go to YouTube and type in Field of Dreams reaction, you can see all of these people who have never seen Field of Dreams before, the moment where you realize it's his dad, and all of the people getting emotional or being like, <gasps> it's so satisfying. <laughs> But it's not only Field of Dreams. You can type in like Forrest Gump, the scene where he meets his son and he does the, is he smart? <laughs> and like everybody cries and everybody cries at the same moment. But it's like every movie, The Notebook, Rudy, all of these movies that make you, you know, Clash, not Clash of the Titans. That's a whole other movie. <laughs> Remember the Titans. But anything that you can think of that has a moment where everybody, you know, gets the sixth sense when you finally realize what's happening with Bruce Willis it is just the most entertaining thing to watch, and I don't know why. So do it. Enjoy it. Get on get on YouTube and look up reaction videos um, and just see if they react the same way that you do, because I'm sure they do. Okay. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with me again this week and for following and subscribing and leaving such wonderful reviews on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify Podcasts. That means so much to me. If you would like to find me on Instagram, it is super easy. I am at Resting Church Face. I hope you have a fantastic week and let's get together again soon.